Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Wingstop. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Coming at you live in the heart of Lincoln, America. I say, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakovin and Enrique Alvarez Cleary. This is the Ticket Water Cooler live from Wingstop. Today we're at 28th in Pine Lake location. I think we still got some gift cards. If uh, you want to come in and ask for a chicken sandwich, then uh, you might get the $25 gift card. Uh, come try the brand new Wingstop chicken sandwich. Choose between any of their 12 flavors. The sandwich comes with two toasted buns and pickles. It's also $5.49 for just the sandwich. Combo with a drink and fries. Uh, checks out at $7.99. Doors open at 11, so we're off and running here. Order online at wingstop.com or use DoorDash and Uber Eats to have your food delivered. You can go to any of the three Lincoln locations, 50th and O, 29th in Pine Lake, where we are today, and 28th in Sevier, also now in Grand Island. i also like to welcome Rico into the show, and I think I'd like to do so uh, by reminding him that Alabama is now number nine uh, in the top ten for the college football playoff with two losses. Disgusting. <laughs> I figured you wouldn't like that. I don't. I don't know how they stayed in the top ten. I really don't. And I, well, it was funny because uh, our our former producer Ethan Petrick, shout out to Big Sky, replied to my tweet about Alabama staying in the top ten. He says, "Yeah, but Alabama lost to teams that beat Alabama." So that is true. That's and a good I'm like, point. I'm like, I hate it because that's definitely the reasoning they use. Like, well, they did beat Alabama, so those are good teams, right? Like. Oh, I hate it. Well, and you can definitely see that reflecting in the rankings, too. Tennessee, the top one loss team, of course, beat Alabama. Yep. The top two loss team in the rankings, LSU, of course, beat Alabama. Yep. So uh, it is Alabama does go a long way how in, does in the Clemson, early college football rankings. How does Clemson, who has one loss, fall below Alabama, who has two losses? And I understand Alabama lost to Tennessee and LSU, who are in the top ten, but yeah. – Clemson has one loss to a top 25 <laughs> Notre Dame. They should yeah, be above Alabama. Oh, but, it's one, but it's we'll one see. loss. Well, if, if you want the regular, out. If you want the regular season to matter, then your wins and losses should matter. You have two losses. You shouldn't be in the top ten anymore. Else you shouldn't be in the top ten. I don't, I don't care. Well, it's the SEC, though, Rico. You're forgetting the SEC. Yeah, well, I don't special. care about the SEC. <laughs> I don't care if you're the SEC. You know who Alabama plays this week? Nobody in the SEC, that's who. Yeah, They get yeah, their bye game. To, uh, this is disgusting, and I hate it. Well, that's because I always say this. You know, uh, the, the late game for the SEC teams is because they play tough non-cons to open up the season. So it's not like it's because they it's, only play eight conference games. That's why. Well, well, that as well. I mean, that plays into it as well. Um, but they also – it's not like they didn't have – Ohio State, a played, a tough, Ohio State played a tough non-con. They still play nine conference games. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Did you hear Joel Klatt? Joel Klatt's really uh, frustrated with Oregon because of their scheduling. They thought there's no way they should have scheduled uh, Georgia, um, and they did so after 2018. Uh, he thinks, obviously, they'd be a lot better positioned if they didn't take on that giant, uh, and they had to do it in Atlanta. It was basically a road game. It's yeah, a it was a neutral, classic or whatever, neutral site game, <laughs> but it's yeah, in Atlanta, a, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a trip for Oregon. Yeah, sure. Uh, they neutral lost site. The, 
they're going to be the most interesting to me. I don't know if they're the best team in the Pac-12, so it come, could come down to the Pac-12 championship, and we'll see. So, you know, There's still plenty of season left, three weeks left, three games left for most of these teams, uh, and a lot can happen between there. But that Pac-12, which has been counted out before because of the blowout loss mm-hmm. that Oregon uh, had, uh, now you've still got you know, UC, USC now at number eight, UCLA at 12. Um, you know, A one-loss Pac-12 team can get in there. So now it was kind of last week you went, from all these teams are undefeated, and if they all stay undefeated, then mm-hmm. it's going to be a mess. Uh, now that's all thrown out the door. Now if the teams that remain undefeated, the top four, or the undefeated teams, now if one of those teams lose, it opens up, okay, all the arguments from the one-loss teams uh, to bicker back and forth. And yeah. so uh, we can do that, and we certainly will, because Ohio State will play Michigan before the season is over. Um, Georgia's still got, of course, a couple tough matchups. And, and TCU, uh, as Terrell was kind of saying, they're the comeback kings. So at some point, you maybe don't want to rely on that recipe. You've got you to dominate mm-hmm. teams for the get-go or it's going to hurt you. And Texas could do that to them this week. Texas, yeah. also a top-20 team at number it's the perfect recipe for TCU to lose. They, they, they go undefeated all this time, then they lose to a three-loss Texas team who also is in the top 25 for whatever reason. But that whole Pac-12 thing is so weird because Oregon, I believe, has – well, I have to, I'd have to check it again. Give me one second while I pull this schedule up. Oregon has wins over three two, – two teams ranked in the top 25 in UCLA and BYU – Whereas USC has no wins over top 25 teams, and their only the only game they played against a ranked team, they lost to Utah. So mm. USC being that high is very strange. I understand they're 6-1, they're in a power conference, but being number 8 and having really no top, actually no top 25 wins is very confusing. And, and UCLA... Uh, Different. They they ended. They beat Utah. They lost to Oregon, their other top twenty-five opponent. Uh, it's a very strange situation out there in the Pac-12. And yeah, I kind of agree with Joel Klatt. Where if Oregon didn't get boat raced by Georgia, if they would have played another Power Five team, if it, if it just wasn't Georgia and they didn't get boat raced, they definitely would have had a, a much stronger argument to be in the college football playoff top four. I mean, they 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 more than likely will end up there. I don't see anybody else in the in the Pac-12 beating them. They still have to face USC. I think they have Washington this week. Um, but I, I don't see anybody else beating Oregon in the Pac-12. So it, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see how the top four ends up shaking out. But there is, a, there is a path, and I know that you don't like to hear this. There is a path for Alabama to end up in the top four and, <laughs> and not play the SEC championship game with two losses. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I just I, I don't likely see that happen. I know Bear, um, of course, from College Game Day, uh, tweeted something out that was the first time basically since the college football playoffs this week will be, um, other than bowl games, that Alabama is going to play a game then not really have a chance at the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it would take something that's never been done before, a two-loss team getting into the playoffs to change that. But as we see in the rankings and as we uh, you know, might see over time, <laughs> if there is a two-loss team that will get in, I will give you that. It would be Alabama. So yeah, uh, we'll kind of see how they have to play it out. They've still got some uh, interesting games left, too. I mean, this could be a, a further drop. And it's kind of funny, too. I was reading up um, on uh, kind of you know, the, as soon as Alabama loses, the, the fans go crazy and they want Nick Saban fired. Yeah, they want him that. fired. They have two losses. They're saying this is the worst Alabama team they've ever had. Their offense is terrible. Their defense is mediocre. Like all of these things. And I'm sitting up here in Nebraska like, can I have your mediocre team, please? Yeah, I I, I'll take that. 
Uh, I think their former coach, or former quarterback, uh, Greg McElroy, was saying, too, uh, that they've got... Uh, that they, so he he was kind of defending Saban, but he did it with the the idea that at the end, well, they will they will need to make some staff changes though. So I mean, <laughs> I don't is, I don't get that. it. I feel like you don't have to defend <laughs> Saban. He's fine. He's not going anywhere. If the fan if fans made decisions, there would be so many weird coaching changes around the nation. Hi hi, Rashawn. Right. How you doing, Captain? Hey, I'm I'm good. I, I hate to bombard you guys, you know, but I, I I just got to say this. Please fire Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. And they also want Dabo Sweeney fired. Clemson fans want Dabo Sweeney fired. Yeah. So. The rest of college football would certainly like to see that too. But it is going to be fun again uh, with, without something uh, that's never happened before happening. The college football game now with Alabama out. Clemson's still got one loss, so they're still kind of in it. Uh, it feels wide open, though. And maybe that feels kind of – Silly to say because Georgia is the defending champions and they're number one. They're undefeated. Um, and, you know, Michigan, they really destroyed Michigan when they played them last year. I don't know if, uh, how, if that would go similar this season. But um, it is also interesting, too. If Oregon makes that run, does the, uh, does the college football playoff try to avoid rematches like they've done in the past, somehow move Oregon up so up they don't like have to play three, Georgia again? Leave Georgia. Or would you like to – I'd like to see the rematch of Georgia Oregon. I think if you play at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, that maybe that could be a. But would you want to see that in the, in the first round of the playoff or in the championship game if they both win? I say first round if 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 Oregon sneaks in and Georgia's number one. I don't like tinkering with, uh, you know, the seeds. You don't do that in the NFL or really any other playoffs. No. It's not like, well, we've seen these guys enough. Let's play somebody else. Um, I I don't I don't know if I agree yeah, with but that. You can't, They've done you, that in the past. You can't do that in the NFL or anywhere else because the playoff is a set system of if you have this record, you're at this spot. If you have this record, you're at this spot. Whereas college football is just well, if you have this record, but we think you're good enough, you could move up. So uh, college football yeah. is the only is the only playoff system that is basing their their rankings off of eye tests and and people sitting in a room determining who should be where. But it's such a small playoff. It's mostly determined by on the field, and then you know, you, then you're right. I mean, mostly on the field, but there's still that eye test and, and the computers and the numbers and the and the well, they uh, had a they had a strong schedule and they they didn't play anybody and they did this and well, they they put up you know 35 points against this team and this team played them and they only put up 20. Uh, so it's it's a weird system and it's dumb and I hate it. And I, I, I think you should just go like with an NFL type playoff, where if you you win your conference, then you're in the playoff. And then yeah, you get like no. two, uh, you get like two wild cards, and it's based off of records. Well, I think we're headed that way. I think that, unfortunately for me, fortunately for you, different people, uh, different strokes for different folks. I but, feel good uh, about I, it. I think the playoffs. Your eye test is dumb. None of you know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you only have to decide four, and they pretty much choose themselves, or at least the ones that are deserving do. Uh, and then you can make your decision between the fourth and fifteen, which doesn't really deserve to be in the playoffs in my mind to begin with. So uh, <laughs> let's go with uh, let's go with some other news and notes. Maction, Maction last night. How about this? Ohio football now seven and three after the thirty-seven to twenty-one win over Miami of Ohio. They've won their last five games. Uh, this is notable, of course, because Tim Albin was a former Nebraska assistant coach and the Frank Solich legacy. He's been at Ohio there uh, ever since Frank Solich took over. And, of course, Frank uh, retired a couple years ago. Albin had a rough first year at 3-9. and 
9. Now they're right back on board. So I don't know how many people uh, still support Ohio football with Tim Albin in charge as opposed to Frank Solich, but it was kind of weird there for a second. I was thinking, well, maybe the, the, you know, the, the Frank Solich juice that was there um, is, is going to be gone, and they're going to have to go in it with an outside hire, but it looks mm-hmm. like Albin's got them back on track. I didn't watch any of them action last night, and I, I couldn't tell you about. <laughs> I couldn't tell you about Ohio. I just know that Frank Solich is no longer there. He's got the well, the field named after him, which is fantastic. Yep. Is the all time winning as coach in MAC history. Uh, That's right. So so good on him, and good on Ohio for turning around and getting to seven wins, getting bowl eligible before uh, a lot of other teams. And Ohio has had Frank Solich bobblehead night. Nebraska needs Frank Solich bobblehead night, and I'm going to say next year when they play Louisiana Tech. When Frank Solich started his career, it was against Louisiana Tech. Now, oh. Troy Edwards had like 400-plus yards or whatever. But Nebraska still won the game, and I think that should be Frank Solich's bobblehead night next year. That would uh, be really interesting. Yeah. I would would, he, accept, I would he accept the invite back? Has he I been, think he would on has his own he been, bobblehead night. Well, he hasn't been back because he's been coaching. As I say, has he been back yeah. since he left? I don't believe since so. he was forced out? <laughs> Many people believe if you can get him back to the stadium, it will end the curse because uh, it, of course, started with Scott. With, uh, his he has, fire. you know, one more thing to do when he gets back. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've got a certain belief about little yeah. red and rusty knives and stuff as well. But sacrifices, yeah, I mean, sacrifices yeah. must be made, Bach. <laughs> also, from action last night, uh, Eastern Michigan got the win, which means they're bull eligible. They beat Akron thirty-four to twenty-eight. Uh, just a shout-out to Chris Creighton because uh, he's done a great job there. For 20 seasons from 1996 to 2015, Eastern Michigan had one season with more than four wins. Tough program to follow. Uh, now the fifth time in seven years that Chris Creighton has got them to a bowl game. So uh, you're looking for a program builder. I, I know it's probably still, you know, if we're talking about the Nebraska job, that's probably too much of a reach. You'd probably have to take a smaller job before that. But I'm so, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Creighton gets a call here. Um, but, of course, he's been doing this for a few years now. Um, so, you know, maybe it will pass. The other thing that's kind of interesting that I saw with Jeff Scott's firing from USF would Scott Frost get a get a call? Would you would, from if, last if he, name Scott to first name Scott? <laughs> that's right. If if South Florida, uh, their athletic director calls Rico and wants an honest opinion, would you would you say yes? Give Scott Frost a call, or would you say that American Magic? I'm not sure if it's there. Scott's in a different place in his life, or or do you think he could work in the American again? I think he could work in the American again. I mean, it's such a good job at UCF. I don't see why it wouldn't why it wouldn't work at USF. I mean, you're going to get the same kind of talent that you got there. Just stay in Florida. You don't even have to leave the state to recruit anybody. So I, I, I don't see why not. And if somebody called me to ask about Scott Frost, I'd, I, my first question would be, why are you calling me? <laughs> <laughs> me? Like I don't I don't even know the guy. I don't. <laughs> yeah, based on based on what he did at Nebraska, I mean, no, probably not. But based on what he did in the state in the conference uh, with your rival team, then yeah, I, I would say give him a shot. But I, I yeah, think that Scott Frost would do at a at a group of five school or or as a coordinator somewhere. I think he'd do just fine. I'm interested. I, I think that that's, that's possible, and I think his offense, I mean, he would go back to calling his plays. This is not this butchered version of Scott Frost that we had this year. Um, not to say that the, the calling plays Scott Frost was much better, but I think he'd be a little bit more in his element there, uh, obviously be able to recruit to, to South Florida pretty well with his previous tenure there. I think it's pretty safe to say the UCF magic maybe had to do a little bit more to do with uh, McKenzie Milton and some of those other what? pros that they had running around the field probably at this point. 
Um, and so that would be something that South Florida would have to kind of consider. Um, but at the same time, again, they're not going out. They're not uh, talking about getting Lance Leipold or anybody like that. Yeah. So they've got kind of a step down as we're kind of thinking our names at the Nebraska job. Um, they've got to kind of think about uh, what they can get at that level. And Scott Frost uh, might make some sense there. Um, but I don't know if I'd be ready just one year removed. Hey, South Florida's got their own type of athletes. So, I mean, it, it could work out. I, I think that the type of offense that Scott Frost wants to run or wanted to run up here and ran down at UCF would work perfectly at USF and in the American. So, Maybe maybe you're right, like not even a year removed would be a little too soon, but if somebody wants to take a chance, I mean, he he was the hottest name on the market four years ago. Why not? Yeah, and that would be cool. I think he might uh, get the gang back together, all the, the fired coaches at Nebraska. I think that'd be kind of cool. Except Ryan Held, he's the interim coach at North Alabama. <laughs> well, we'll see if that interim uh, <laughs> tag sticks. He might be able to get him. Um, and the Scott Frost of college basketball finally got a win. When I say the Scott Frost of college basketball, who do you think that is? Fred Hoiberg? <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad guess. Pretty close. Uh, I'm going to go with Patrick Ewing as the Scott Frost of college How football. How dare you? At college basketball. He was uh, taken back by Georgetown. Disrespectful. Expected. It's not disrespectful. Who's it disrespectful to? To Patrick. It's not disrespectful to Patrick. How Patrick dare you? He worked real... so hard to get that program turned around. It just hasn't worked out. <laughs> well, so did Scott. Plus, he has a great quote. On the bench when a dude shot like a turnaround jumper, and he's just sitting there and he goes, you work on that shot? When in practice <laughs> do you work on that shot? <laughs> that was great. Yeah, well, as great as he has been, they went 6-25 last season, uh, and they're 68-84. Why says the, the Scott Frost of college basketball? Because he's going to get fired, and we all know it, uh, and we're just wait they mm. gave him another year for some reason. But what if he doesn't? Oh, he will. Uh, but they did do one thing. They snapped their 21-game losing streak, so they're off Look to a good that. start. One it know. took overtime for Georgetown to take down Coppin State for that victory, uh, but they did do that. Coppin State, by the way, coached by Juan Dixon, former Maryland guard. So See? Uh, that's kind of cool. To Coppin keep, uh, State, good team. <laughs> yeah, because that's a good we win. know we've heard of their coach as a player. Yep, so he, good, they must be. good win for Georgetown. Just watch. Just watch. <laughs> they're going to be the darlings of the Big East. They're I'll the Big East, right? Yeah. I'll put a nice Wingstop, uh, Wingstop chicken bet down on you that he's fired by the end of the year. You know what? <laughs> I'll take you up on a dollar. <laughs> All right. One dollar. That's lower than One dollar. Uh, let's let's shake bit. through the screen. <laughs> All right. Fair there enough. we go. Perfect. I'm a dollar richer. I feel better about it today. <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick break here on the Ticket Water Cooler. When we come back, uh, we'll look at the famous... Michigan alumni as we head into the big house, as we head into Ann Arbor. We want to know who those people are that might be cheering against us this week. So uh, we'll do that. Talk some more Husker football and, of course, all things sports. Coming up next here on the Ticket Water Cooler, we're live from Wingstop at 28th and Pine Lake. Come on down. <laughs> 